Father, I'm excited about the things that are happening, Lord God, not just here locally, Lord God, but the things that are happening in literally communities, Lord God, all across this nation and beyond, Father, through the, your, your body working together. And, Father, we, just, we need your wisdom, Lord God. This, and if we look at these things in the natural, the, 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 the response, the responsibility, Lord God, it can be overwhelming, Lord God, just the sheer volume of the things that you've put before us. But, Lord God, we, I thank you that, Lord God, it's never been about our strength or power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And so, fathers, we come tonight. Father, what we need, Lord God, is just a greater revelation of the Spirit of the Lord. Father, we need to see that the, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so, Father, we come against, Lord God, depression or distractions. We come against offenses, Lord God. We don't have time for that stuff, Lord God. Father, we need the joy of the Lord to be our strength, Lord God, a joy that passes understanding, Lord God, that transcends anything that would happen circumstantially, Lord God, anything that would happen physically or financially. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that our answer, Lord God, and our hope goes beyond, Lord God, the things that we can see in the now. And Father, I thank you tonight, according to the book of Ephesians, we're seated with you in heavenly places. So if we're seated with you in heavenly places. Father, praying, Lord God, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord God, it ought to be, Lord God, that ought to be the nature of our heart and mind, Lord God, is to operate and live, Lord God, and move, Lord God, in this year, Father, with our minds set on the things that are above. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, for everyone, not just here, Lord God, but for leaders, Pastor uh, Rudy and Lori, Lord God, Pastor Nick and, and Shane, Pastor Terry and, and, and Pastor David and Pastor Don, different ones across the the nation, Lord God. Father, I pray, Lord God, just for an infusion, Father, of spiritual wisdom to come upon their hearts and lives. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would just give us a greater hunger, a greater revelation, Father, a greater pressing in in prayer. Father, I pray, Lord God, that we would find out, Lord God, and see, Lord God, that prayer is going to be our life source, Lord God, that constant communication, Lord God, with you, Father, through the, the, the Holy Spirit moving and operating in our lives. Lord God, I pray against every work of the adversary, Lord God, that he would be cast down, that that, Father, all of his accusations, all those things, Lord God, would just fall upon deafened ears. And, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus tonight, Lord God, even as Paul prayed, Lord God, for young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he said, uh, he said, stir up the gifts that are within you through the laying on of hands. And, Father, I pray for a stirring up of callings. Lord God, I pray for a stirring up of your fire. I pray for a, a stirring up of wisdom. I pray for a stirring up of, of boldness, Lord God. I pray for a stirring up of uh, authority, Lord God, that you would begin to, to move in your body, Lord God, Lord God. God, in this, this late hour like never before. Father, we declare nearer is our salvation than when we first believed. And Father, I know how near it seemed, Lord God, the day that, 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 that I gave my life to you and, and I felt, Lord God, the cracking open of an opportunity, Lord God, nearer is it, Lord God, than it was 25 years ago. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that your spirit, Lord God, we begin to sweep across this nation through churches and college campuses, Lord God, and street corners and housing projects, Lord God. You begin to, to bring a, a, a sweeping revival, Lord God. Father, not, Lord God, a, a revival that parades and parades around, Lord God, to fill up the pockets of men, Lord God, but I'm talking about a revival, Lord God, of, of repentance and holiness, Lord God, and of power, Lord God, that's designed to fill up, Lord God, the corridors of heaven, Lord God, and, and Lord God, that those that are being part of that multitude, Lord God, would look to that moment in time in 2010 and say, thank the Lord that he sent uh, harvesters out into that field, Lord God. So, Father, as we come into this place tonight, we're asking in your precious holy name, Lord God, to do a work in us, Lord God. We need to be prepared for the battle. Lord God, even as the word says, Lord God, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who can prepare for the battle? We want our sound, Lord God, our directive to be pure, Lord God. 
that the preparation, Lord God, for the, 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 the battle, Lord God, would be precise, concise, Lord God. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn to the book of Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. What does Genesis mean? A beginning. It's a beginning. How many of you believe that you serve the God of new beginnings? And so the new beginnings are not just a new beginning yesterday or last week or, or today, but his, his, his goodness, his new beginnings are new every single morning. How many of you say, you know what, God, I need a new beginning every single day? Do you, do you remember some of those new beginnings that have come into your life? That maybe you're going through something and all of a sudden, man, the Spirit of God just brought a visitation and you felt like that all those, those hindrances, all the yokes that had been on your life had been broken and you got a new beginning. It was almost like, you know, and uh, what were we talking about one day, uh, uh, Brother Aaron? We was talking about when you exercise or different things, there's that chemical release of dopamine that comes into your, your body. It is, it's what will cause an addiction to come upon you. And so people that do drugs, a drug will cause a release of a chemical in your brain called dopamine. If you're a runner, you exercise, there's a certain place that you hit, and there's dopamine that's released. Don't, don't you want to have a year where a spiritual dopamine is released into your life, and you've got to get that Jesus fix. You've got to get that, that prayer fix every single day because when you do, something just gets exciting. You say, man, I can't wait for the next opportunity. That you got a, uh, you, you, you got that, that, that feeling that, man, I can't stay away from his presence because God has put something in me both physically and spiritually that constantly caused me to be addicted to Jesus. I believe that we're, we're standing on the precipice of something unlike anything else, and we have a tremendous opportunity to press through. So as we look to that, I, I love to always kind of go back, as the guy on the radio says, back to Genesis, back to that, that new, fresh beginning. God, take away everything. Wipe the slate clean. You know, be that, that freshness every morning. If we're faithful to confess, he's faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Give me a fresh, new beginning. And folks, I believe that if, if we can get that revelation, that we'll be able to take that same revelation into a dark and dying world. We talk about, and Aaron did a great job the other night of talking about being perfect, even as he is perfect, and that call to, to Christian perfectionism. The, the world and even much of the church and theologians, they battle over that thing. They, oh, nobody can be perfect. You can't do that. And it's wrong to say you can be perfect. Well, they're looking to the wrong source. They're looking to the limitations of my flesh or the limitations of my ability rather than to look into that, that transient power of the cross of Calvary that says something even though it doesn't look like it. I'm perfect not because I am perfect in everything that I do. I'm perfect because of the cross. I'm perfect because I'm not under just the testimony of, of that old fallen nature that defined who Troy Bond was. I'm perfect because Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, came in the form of sinful flesh, knew no sin, hung upon a cross, died for my sins, lived, paid for that price vicariously through his blood, and through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, today I'm crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And Christ is perfect. Christ is powerful. Christ is holy. Christ is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or think. And so my testimony is not limited by the failures of my past, but my testimony is, 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 is the product of a new beginning that I had in Christ Jesus according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm a new creature, thus I'm a perfect creature who is enabled to go beyond what I was and declare the goodness and the power of God right now. 
And I want that to be daily for me in 2010, not just something that's been brought up uh, uh, periodically when someone shakes me just a little bit or tries to remind me of that. I want that to be the constant, consistent testimony of who I am so I can begin to walk there in those things. I don't want my word or our, our gospel to come in word only, but in power and in demonstration of the Holy Spirit with much assurance that you might know what manner of men that we are for your sakes, 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5. But it says in the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verse 11. I'm going to use this kind of as the basis for what we're going to be talking about tonight. But it says the angel of the Lord. I want to stop right there just for a second. A lot of times we, think we hear the word angel, and if we, I said, okay, close your eyes and say angel. What is the picture that you're going to get? You get this picture. Some of you may get this little tiny baby in a diaper flapping its wings around like a little cherub. Some of you might get this big blonde-headed guy with giant wings and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a big spear. You may have just different ideas about an angel. But right here, I believe this angel of the Lord is not an angel in the sense of a created being. That what we're talking about here is an angel or a theophany that is a pre-incarnate Christ. You'll see many times in the Old Testament, it talks about Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord. See, folks, we think that Jesus didn't show up on the scene until 2,000 years ago. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so before the Word became flesh, the Word was oftentimes spoken of as the angel of the Lord. He was a theophany or a Christophany, Christ before the incarnation. And so I believe right here, all of a sudden, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 11, but the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, called to him from heaven. Man, don't you want to hear that this year? Man, don't you want that voice from heaven calling out to you tonight? Obed. Don't you want to be like, G, uh, like, like Paul when he was on the road to Damascus and all of a sudden he, he got blinded by that, that light on the road to Damascus and he heard that voice call out to him and say, Saul, Saul. No different than what happened right here to Abraham. And he said he heard a voice cry out from heaven. Not a voice cry out from your favorite TV preacher or the guy on the radio. Not a voice call out from that, that favorite self-help book or that, 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 that man-made religion. It says, but I, he heard a voice call out to him from heaven. It said, Abraham, Abraham. Have you ever heard God call your name? What did it do to you? I think about Isaiah, what is it, 43.1. He says, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. I've redeemed you. I've called you back. I've claimed you back from this world. I've claimed you back from your fear. I've claimed you back from your inability. I've claimed you back from, the, from your old fallen nature. I've claimed you back from human nature. I've claimed you. I have redeemed you. And in redeeming you, I've called you. And I've said, Sam, Sam. Whoa. He's calling my name. Jared, Jared, he's calling your name. Troy, Troy, he's calling your name. Joy, Joy, a voice from heaven is calling out your name. And Abraham said, those three words that we need to learn, here I am. Do we have any here I ams in here tonight? You know, when I think of here, and that, here I am, I'm, I'm immediately drawn many times to the sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah when it says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he begins to talk about that angelic host that was around the throne and, and, he, and he recognizes, I'm unclean. I'm not bold. I don't have the experience. I've never done it before. You can't, I'm too young. Or I've had too many hardships. You know, Isaiah just kind of broke it down. I'm unclean. 
In other words, I don't have the ability in and of myself. And not only that, but I'm running around with a lot of people that can't do it either. But what did he do? He said, here I am. Let me ask you a question, folks. Do you remember when you were in grade school? Some of us, that was a long time ago. Can somebody say a long time ago? Some of you are still there. Pardon? But, or Jesse would say, 23-year-old Jesse would say back in the day. I don't even think there's a back in the day before 25 years, but hey, we'll give him his, we'll give him his ability to be back in the day. But you remember you in grade school? You know what it's like? It's like here in this place. You know, here we, it's, it's very interactive. If you've got a question, just raise your hand up. And if you've noticed, you know, Alyssa, she'll oftentimes throw her hand up and leave it up. You see Judah many times have his hand up. So all, the, all the grade school kids are constantly, Troy, I don't know how many times, we're in a meeting, I don't know, we're out in public, and he'll be raising his hand. Have you noticed you get kind of trained to do that? They tell you that in school. It, it, it always becomes, you're, you're raising your hand, and, and the teacher would ask you to volunteer for something. I remember when I was a kid, I don't even know if they do anymore. They would always want you to volunteer to, uh, to pick two people, a boy and a girl, to be the ones at the end of the day that get to go take the flag down and fold it up. And man, if you got to take the flag, now they're burning flags. But when I was a kid, we still did the Pledge of Allegiance. We still had a prayer before school. And, and at the end of the day, if you got to be the one that got to go take the flag, boy, I tell you what, you knew that you had a good day. You knew that you got good marks on your paper. You knew that you behaved well because that, that teacher would begin to look and survey and look for that boy that best represented the standard that she wanted to have that day. Begin to look at the young girl and say it. And, but when she said, okay, who am I going to choose to take the flag down? May we get our hand up in the air. Pick me, pick me. I want to, I want to be that, that one. And, and maybe a, a question was asked, and, and you felt like you knew the answer. You know, we did that in disciples. You say, hey, do you know the answer? And you get your hand up, and you're, you're waving it. Or, and, and game shows have been built up on that. Well, you know, you go into Jeopardy, do do do, boom, I got the answer. The family Feud, boom, I got the answer. The quickest one to get their, their hand up and, and answer that question. But if you ever notice this, it's amazing. As, as open as we were to volunteer for things, even things that we had never done before as children, the older it gets, the more arm twisting it takes than it does hand raising to get us involved. Anytime as a child, grade school, anytime a teacher would ask us to do something, they could say, okay, who am I going to pick today that gets to be the one that's going to go around the room and pick up all the waste paper? I want to do it. I want to do it. Now somebody says, hey, who wants to be the one that's going to be trash detail for the outreach? <laughs> What changed? Same trash, same bucket, same thing, a different heart. And so the older I get, it takes more of an arm twisting to bring us to a place of, 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 of a willingness just to step out into a place and just be willing to do it because you never know what just that solitary act of obedience is going to set you up for. God, if I can just be obedient here, I've kind of shared with you guys some of the testimonies about when I was coming up. Coming up had a pastor that would, would oftentimes ask me to do things that in, in, in my ability, I did not have it. I never had done it. I never had a desire to do it. But he asked, and I said, well, if he's willing to ask, I'm willing to throw my hand up and say, here I am. When he come to me and he said, hey, listen, we're going to be doing a, a big uh, uh, children's ministry. We're going to do a vacation Bible school in the park and we're having all these kids. We're going to go around and pick them up in the neighborhoods and bring them in. And I'd like you to take the, 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 the five-year-old, have a five-year-old class in that park. Now, here I am just in my late teens myself, maybe 19, maybe, maybe 20, and thinking, man, I've never done children's ministry. I've never done those things. But I remember saying, here I am. 
and spent the next five days speaking into the lives of, of five-year-olds and, and had a tremendous time. And, and, you know, I don't know the impact that my here I am had on those 15 or 25-year-olds that I had out there that came from all kinds of broken homes and, and all kinds of situations here now, 30-something years later. But I said, here I am. When my pastor came to me and he said, hey, listen, I want you to start leading praise and worship. And I said, well, pastor, I, I don't sing. And he said, I didn't ask you if you sing. I said, I need you to stop leading, uh, start leading praise and worship. And I said, here I am. When another pastor said, listen, we want you to serve as an usher and do these type of things. What did I do? I said, here I am. I say all that, folks, because here when you begin to, to plant something, raising up a, a church, not just here, but in a place like Amarillo or in, or in Santa Rosa, California, wherever it is that God does that, there's got to be a here I am type of mentality. It's got to be that. You know, me, I, whatever you ask me to do, I'm not going to think to myself, I can't do that. Why? Because I believe this more than I believe this. Do you hear me? I believe what he said more than I believe what my feelings say. I believe in his wisdom more than I believe in my experience. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so what does that involve? That involves everything. You need me to preach? I'll preach. You need me to sing? I'll sing. You need me to watch the nursery? I'll watch the nursery. You want me to cast out a devil? Bring on the demoniacs. Whatever it is, go to the streets. Come on, let's go to the streets. You need me to, to teach the children? I'll teach the children. You, you need me to serve and to pick up trash? Boy, I can do that and I can do that better than anybody else. Why? Because I was willing years ago to say, here I am. And what that does, that, 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 that obedience and that willingness to step out of where you are, step out of an area of uncertainty, step out of the limitations of the fear of your own self, and say, Lord God, here I am. What does God do? He begins to remember those things. Oh, yeah. Think about Joshua. Here Joshua was called out by, by, by God and, and Moses, and, and Moses would go up on, on the, the, the side of the, the hill, and man, uh, Joshua would be down there thinking, man, he's up there where all the action is. All I get to do is sit down here and, and maybe hold the rope of a camel or, or keep the water pot full or just sit here and just wait. But he waited better than anybody waited. Now think about it. He sat there better than anybody. He got so good at it. When the tabernacle was built in the wilderness, Moses would be in there praying, and he would leave, and Joshua kept waiting. It says when he went to the camp to do whatever he was going to do, it says he stayed pressed against that. He said, God, I'm not just going to do it to suffice Moses, Lord God, but I'm going to do it to show you that regardless of what else is going on, where anybody else went, regardless if somebody's telling me to do it or not telling me to do it, Lord God, I want to have a lifestyle of the here I am. And so if God is going to use you in 2010, who God wants to use is a bunch of here I am believers. And so tonight what I want to talk to you about is developing a here I am lifestyle. Because if you can't say it right here in Daytona Beach, you're never going to say it for the nations. You hear what I'm saying? If you can't say it with a bunch of kids, if you can't say it with a housing project, if you can't say it with a street corner, God will never be able to use you as the here I am in, in, the, in the streets of other nations. He'll never take you to the Amsterdam. He'll never take you to the Indonesia. He'll never take you to, the, to, the, uh, to Turkey. He'll never take you to South America. He'll never take you and use you as the here I am in those places unless he can find you faithful over the little things right now. Here I am. Need something cooked? Here I am. Need something clean? Here I am. You need some kids ministered to? Here I am. I, I always like those here I am guys in the scripture. That's the ones I like. The guys that just break from the norm, that break from tradition, because they're the ones that you never have to ask twice. 
Here I am. You don't have to twist their arms. You don't have to convince them that it's good for them, that they're going to learn something from it. All you've got to do is say, hey, I got something. Okay, what is it? Well, you didn't let me finish. Well, it doesn't matter what it is. I just want to let you know before you finish that I'm already in. That's the way I, I, I want to be, and I, and I hope that I've been that way with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he comes to me and says, Troy, Troy, I got something for you. Here I am, Lord. Well, I didn't tell you what it is yet. Well, Lord God, I know that if you got it for me, it's got to be good. Well, but do you, really, you don't understand what's going to cost you. That's okay, Lord. Everything I got belongs to you. And that your plans for me are bigger than my plans. Your ways are, are better than my ways, Lord God. So whatever it is, here, here, here I am. Go kill a giant. What David say? Here I am. You know, go and go take the city. What Joshua say? Here I am. Go, go and heal the sick. That's what the apostles said. Here I am. Now let's go preach the gospel to the, to the world. What do we say? Well, here I am. Lord God, whatever it is, wherever it is, Lord God, here I am. Go to Amarillo. Go to New Orleans. Go to uh, Cali. Go to, to Baltimore. Go whatever. Lord God, here I am. Go next door. Here I am. Go to the store. Here I am. Man, I want to develop that type of mentality. And folks, I said it. I believe that 2010, in, in God is looking for some here I am believers to make take the message of I am to the people and places that are desperate. And he needs someone that is bold enough to just merely step out and stand in faith to do the things that he's requiring in this late hour. Is anybody there? Genesis 22, Abram. Think about this, folks. Here you got Abram being called out. He was... Let me, see, let me just run a little test in here tonight. Who's the oldest person in this room? Pastor Scott. Just had a birthday, 48 years old. Now, folks, that's not even old. The brother ain't even half a hundred yet. On his way, but not quite there. Abram was 75 years old when he started into the here I am lifestyle. 75. And so some of you that are here saying, man, you know what? It seemed like I've wasted too much time or it's gone too far or, or whatever else. I wish I'd have done this when I was a teenager or I wish I'd have got this education. I wish I would have done this or that. Folks, I got news for you. V very few of you here are even halfway to where Abram was where he developed that here I am lifestyle. 75 years old, God spoke to him. It was an age when most people feel that taking chances are a thing of the past. And they, they, they think bold decisions need to be traded for wise decisions. Folks, I'll tell you what, the wisest decision that you'll make in 2010 are going to be the decisions that require the most boldness. You hear what I'm saying? How many of you want to be a here I am believer? Now put your hands down because there's a cost for this. How many of you think that you're willing to make the bold decisions that are going to qualify you for that? How many, put your hands down. How many of you are concerned that when called upon to make the bold decisions as a here I am believer, you, you may not, you're concerned, I'm not saying you won't, I'm just saying you're concerned that you might not be willing to make that call. Anybody? Because folks, I'm telling you what, the wisest decisions that you'll make to be a here I am believer are going to take the boldest moves on your part. Are you ready for that? Because if you're not, you better get ready because that's what's going to require you. And folks, regardless of what disobedience looks like, it's still sin. And so when God begins to say, okay, you said here I am, now, I'm calling you to make a bold move, a bold decision. I'm asking you to do something that you've never done before. Are you willing to do it? Now, now folks, think about this just for a second. I'm going to pick on Pastor Sam and Lucy just a little bit. Here they were living up in their neck of the woods, uh, the, the Pennsylvania area, the Maryland area, raised their kids there, all these things. All of a sudden, God says, I want you to do something bold. 
I want you to leave that nice, cush job, that house that you live in, all that ministry that's hopping and booming, and I want to send you somewhere else. Okay. I'll do that. Then he gets to this place, and, man, God's doing something, some transformation in his life, and, 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 give him a, and, and really setting his mind on the where he's going to take him and, and separating him from the past. Then all of a sudden God says, oh, by the way, are you kind of comfortable having a good time? Uh, well, okay. Well, I've got another new move, move for you. It's going to be even bolder. What? Okay. Here I am. Folks, let me tell you something. The only people God can trust in this last hour are here I am people. I'm going to tell you that straight up. So if you've got limitations or qualifications on your obedience, you will never see the fulfillment of God's promises. I'll just tell you that straight up. I know people, I, I, I tell you what, that I used to think to myself, I wish I had as much natural talent and ability as they had in their pinky. I wish I just had that much of it. But what happened is when God began to put something before them that would require them to say, here I am, they said, okay, God, I, here I am, but I just got a, a few things that I need to make you aware of. God, here I am as long as, here I am if you do this, here I am, Lord God, as long as it's easy here, here I am as long as I don't have to give this up, here I am as long as it's not here, here I am as long as it's this. And what did God said? He said, not here I am, it's here I go, because you're not qualified to do it. Folks, listen, if you want to be qualified to be a mover and a shaker and the history maker for the kingdom of heaven, you got to get ready to be able to, to, to make some bold decisions in 2010. But here's the thing. Abram heard the call of God. He raised his hand and he volunteered literally to leave those cozy confines of his family, of his friends, of everything that he had known and head out to a place that the only thing that was waiting on him was the promise of God. How do you like that? I know what that looks like. I know what it is to, to build a church and to build a work and to do these things, invest in lives and raise your children, begin to get comfortable somewhere. And all of a sudden God says, oh, by the way, it's time to go. Well, God, what do you got waiting on me? Well, just a word. I've got a promise for you. Is that enough for you? Because unless the promise and the word of God is enough, Abram, Abram, Troy, Troy, Sam, Sam, Monzel, Monzel, Scott, Scott, unless me calling your name is enough, you'll never be qualified to do what I've told you to do. God, I want to be uh, responsive just to a word from you. I want to give you tonight the three here I am's of Abraham. The three here I am's of Abraham. See, here's what happens to us, folks. And I think you're going to see this tonight as I share with you out of the voice of the, I really want someone who set the pace in regards to developing the here I am lifestyle. I think a lot of times we think just the, the initial volunteering, God, I'll do it. And as long as I volunteered, now we don't care if after we volunteer, if we drop the ball and don't even finish the work. Because it's one thing, I've had people from, in 20-something years of ministry that have volunteered to do a lot of things, and you go looking for them, and they're nowhere to be seen. And you say, well, I thought you committed to do that. Well, you know, I did, but, you know, God's taking me in a new direction. Have you ever heard that? You're thinking, well, God, how could God take you into, you were being obedient a year from, ago when you told me God said this, but now the new direction can't be obedience because obedience looked like this. Now God is taking you to a, a new direction of disobedience? You know where that comes from? <laughs> Somebody said, hell, lie straight from the pits of hell. Folks, listen, if you're going to be a here I am believer, you need to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. You need to stay the course in obedience to what God has. Why? Because right past your obedience is typically the fulfillment of the promise that God has for you. P pick on Pastor Sam and Lucy just again. Back 10 years ago, 
Man, God had put it in their heart. They felt like, man, God is sending us to go to Amarillo, Texas. I was still obviously living there, Melly and I, and Pastor uh, Alex Holly, their families, Pastor Thomas Dory. We were there doing the work of the ministry right there in the city and felt like God was, was call, calling them there. Now, God didn't give them a time frame. He just said, I want you to, to go there. Now, what's happened and transpired in those many, many years leading up to that promise that they're going to go help us pioneer a, a, a fresh work, a new beginning of something that God had laid the foundations for 10 years ago. What was it? Their willingness to go through that cycle and that training and that development that God would want to have. Why? Because if they'd have showed up 10 years ago, they wouldn't be ready to do what God has called them to go into a place and do it now. And so are you willing to take the here I am steps into that place? So I'm going to give you the three here I am's of Abraham. And so that 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis, folks, it really kind of offers us a look at just how God will bless those who would dare to live a life of complete trust in him. Here's what I see in his life. When we face, uh, when we're faced literally with circumstances that would cause us to want to waver and, and, and we want to pull back and digress and begin to question God, if we'll just take that here I am and look beyond the natural into the supernatural, we're going to begin to get the directive. Okay? Because a lot of times God's not going to say, here's my plan, here's the outcome, here's what's everything that's going to happen. Do I got any volunteers? God just says, listen, do I have any volunteers because i got a plan? And I'm only going to share the plan with those that volunteer. Because if I was in here tonight and I said, listen, I need somebody. And, I, and I, we were all strangers to one another. And I said, I need a volunteer here tonight. People are going to think, and you need a volunteer for, for what? Wouldn't you? And I said, listen, it, it don't matter. I just need a volunteer. And I'd say, Carmen, will you volunteer? they say, whoa, I need to know what you're telling me. I need to know what, you, what you're going to suggest. And I said, well, don't worry about it. He said, well, I ain't volunteering for anything I don't know anything about. Now, we think that way most of the time. God says, I want you to do something. Well, what is it, God? Have you ever noticed that's our next question? Rather than saying, God, I want you to do something, we say, well, here I am, God. Here I am qualifies me to know what it is he wants me to do. Because I'm will if, unless I'm willing to first step out of that place of obedience, God is not going to waste his breath God's not going to waste that living word on somebody that's going to qualify their obedience based upon their self-preference. And so what God is going to begin to do to many of you, he's going to begin to look into each one of our hearts. And he's going to begin to speak that name in the night watches. He'll begin to wake you up. He's going to begin to call your name and to see what your response is. And if your response is, here I am, Lord. Then what God's going to do, he'll take you to the next step. If not, you know what you're going to do? You're going to continue to find yourself sitting there waiting on instructions that will not call, come beyond you looking past the natural man into the supernatural. We'll think that we have that, but God is pushing people. Folks, I, I believe that most Christians will be hard-pressed to just respond even one time to the call of God to go beyond their fears, let alone what I'm going to show you tonight on these three here I am's of Abraham. And so what we need to do, though, is we need to depart from the norm and go into the, but he is the one telling me. So here's the first here I am of Abraham. It's found in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. And it's the verse, the first verse is what I read to you earlier. If you're keep, keeping notes, this is the here I am of sacrificial obedience. The here I am of sacrificial obedience. The here I am of sacrificial obedience. Now it came to pass, after these things, that God tested Abraham. Anybody want to be tested? 
Anybody? Anybody want to be tested? Man, I want to be tested. You know, this past Saturday, we have this group that's been meeting and doing this insanity workout. And this past Saturday was our test day. Every two weeks, we do a test. And in this test, there's like eight of these uh, things on this fitness test that you, we've got to do. And you're, the goal is, in that fitness test, is to do it, as much as you can within that minute. They give you eight different moves, and you've got to push the limit. And you, you begin to map out your, your willingness to take that test. Now, as we were doing that this past Saturday morning early, I, I began to call out. And I say, well, what was your numbers to begin with? And on one, it was like five. It just, you could only do it five times in 60 seconds. And it was amazing to me that those that took the test, every time there was a marked improvement. They took the test here without really knowing. The first time we took it, we had no idea what it was going to be like. Didn't know how hard to push. Didn't know how long it was going to last. Didn't know anything. Then the next one, there was a marginal jump in, in the endurance. Folks, if you're willing to take that test every single time God delivers it, what it's going to do, it's going to build an endurance into your spiritual life. That you're not going to be one of those ones that, that just get into the battle. Oh, man, I can't do it. I, I'm too tired. I'm too weak. or I'm, I, I, I'm too stressed out. Or I just don't know what to do. What's going to happen is you're willing to allow God to bring those tests into your life. And you're willing to endure, to press through. Oh, I'm hurting. Oh, I can't hardly breathe. Oh, I'm too hot. Oh, I'm sweating. Oh, Lord God, this ain't going to do it. But I continue to press. What happens is I move beyond the limitations of where I was to somewhere else. Me and Jesse were teasing about, you know, Jesse goes about a buck fifty maybe. How, how much do you weigh, Jesse? 160 pounds. And, you know, he was telling me a couple weeks ago, hey, you know, I don't know if I know anything to do. I said, Jesse, yeah, you do, brother. You need to, you know, you're skinny, but there's a difference between being thin and being fit, right? Because the first day he was just like the rest of us. Oh, man, I want to puke. I want to do that. Now, here he was going 150. We had people that weighed, outweighed him by nearly 200 pounds. And so fitness isn't in appearance. Fitness is on what's on the inside. And so it's that same thing with the kingdom. Listen, God, I read the Bible. I do these things. But God is saying, listen, I want you to take it to another level. I want you to pass the spiritual fit test that I'm taking you through in this hour. Yeah, you've preached. Yeah, you've done these things. I've done it. i preached around the world. But I tell you what, I believe up to this point, all of those things have just been fit tests because I haven't seen the fulfillment of what God spoke to me 25 years ago. And so what am I doing in the meantime? I'm saying, here I am. I'm saying, God, whatever it takes, even at, at, at nearly 43 years old, God, I want to be obedient right now because I know what I saw far off. I know what you told me. I know those promises. And God, if I have to wake up every single day and take another test and be willing to, 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 to take the test of, of sacrificial obedience every single day. Now, I can probably say this. Pastor Scott and I know could both say it. In, in regards to, to ministry, I, I know I can say in regards to quote-unquote full-time ministry, you know, there's, there's none of you that have had to wait longer than me to see the fulfillment. You haven't. Some of you have been in ministry 10 years or whatever else, and some of you just getting in. You haven't had to wait as long as I can. And so when you're talking to me, well, I just can't endure, or you think, well, I'm going to give it a try for six months or a year. Well, try 20 years, Okay. Yeah, I'm doing this stuff, but you know what I'm doing? I'm occupying in, in sacrificial obedience because I know what God has told me to do. But in the meantime, God is saying, listen, in order for you to get where I've told you to go, there's a responsibility to train and equip other people along the way. And that is your fit test. The fit test is the investment into other hearts and lives that are going to expand the kingdom more than just one guy can ever do it. 
And so the question is, are you willing to endure those tests if they take a month, they take six months, if they knock all the spiritual bark off of you, if they challenge you to go and do things that you've never had to do, if you've had to wait, if you've had to endure, endure if you've had to give up things, if you had to put things on the back burner, just so you can position yourself to say, here I am. Because unless you can do that, you might as well chalk it in now, and I'll see you on the day of judgment, and he'll never look into your life and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, folks, we think there's a past somewhere along the line. We just want him to say, well done, my good guy or my good girl, my good intended servant. Folks, there's no good intentions on the day of judgment. He's only going to look for those that say, I never knew you. I never saw the fulfillment of that intimacy. Or he's going to look into the lives of people and say, well done, my good and my faithful servant. Now you can enter into your rest. So the question is, are you going to be a here I am even when it takes a sacrificial obedience? He tested uh, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now look what he said in the next verse, verse 2 of Genesis chapter 22. Then he said, take now your son. And I like how God puts it in perspective for us. Your only son, Isaac. Now, look back just a little bit, folks. We would say, well, that's not his only son. What about Ishmael? Didn't he have an older boy? Now, do you think God forgot about Ishmael and Hagar? Huh? God's saying, don't, don't blame your disobedience on me. Don't blame your old decision on me. Don't blame you stepping out in that place that you tried to call ministry that wasn't me. Well, I, you know, he didn't say take your only church or take your only ministry. But God, but God, don't you remember? I used to have a ministry. I used to do this. I used to, oh, I don't recognize that. I didn't ordain that. I didn't put that together. Now, you can call it what you want to. Sure, he's got two legs, a couple arms, and he's yapping like any other boy. But that ain't your boy because that's not what I gave it. And so if you're, you're, you're acting like you've got something to fall back on, you don't. Now, folks, we don't like to hear that because we want our decision to say, well, you know what, that, God just, that must have been just something God was taking. No, God is saying that was your sin. Ishmael is the product of sin, not of here I am. And so what we need to do is we need to get in agreement with what God says about our call rather than what our flesh or our mistakes say. We're going to be defined through obedience, not through sin. So he said, I want you to take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Okay, okay, here I am, here I am, here I am. We'd say okay with that. Take your son, yes, here I am. Your only son, okay, here I am. And I want you, you love him, oh yes, here I am. And I want you to go to the land of Moriah. Oh, that's a nice place. Here I am. Oh, and by the way, when you get there, somebody say, when you get there, you need to offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Whoa. Let's back up just a little bit, Lord, because I heard your voice on those first little quests. Take your son. Oh, hallelujah. Your only son. Mm, got, got me an only son. Yeah. Who you love, I love him. Yeah, can somebody say amen? God is telling me I got an only son. I love my son. He's giving me a promise. Go to the land of Moriah. Oh, he's taking me into all the world. He's expanding my places, my far reach. Yes, hallelujah. Oh, before you get too excited, you're going to have to offer that only son. Yes, amen. The one that you love, yes. The land of Moriah, yes. And you're going to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Oh, Lord. All the waiting, folks, all the lessons that were learned, all the mistakes that he made along the line, and he finally got Isaac, 
And now God's telling him to go and make a sacrifice of him? What do you think he was thinking in his mind? What do you think we would think? You got it. You're kidding, right? You can't be serious, right? But does it say Abram responded that way or Abraham? You know why it's this? Because he didn't wait for the details before he answered in obedience. Because once you say, here I am, the details are none of your business. Do I need to say that to you again? Once you say, here I am, God, use me. Once you say, here I am, thank you for calling me. Once you say, here I am, I'm bought with a price. Once you say, here I am, God, wherever you take me, I'll go. Once you say, here I am, Lord God, I surrender to the call. You know what? The details are none of your business. The only thing that's your business is obedient when God begins to unfold those details in your life. But if you notice, that's where we draw the proverbial line in the sand. Now, God, I'm agreeing with you because up to this point, everything you said was agreeable. But what about when he says, shut up, sit down, and listen up? Well, it couldn't be that, man, because I'm just way too anointed to do that. What if he says to do something that's outside of your, 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 your comfort zone? Well, couldn't do that, Lord God, because you know that you've made me the, I'm your prize fighter in this certain area. Certainly you wouldn't tell me to do that. And he said, well, who are you? I thought you said, here I am. Which side are you going to be on? Question. How many of you have prayed, endured through innumerable trials, went through tribulations, went through situations, and you achieved some type of goal? You, maybe you got to a place or, or saw some type of, if we can use the term success, and once you got there, you found out that the real trial was just getting started. Man, you went through eight years of helping to pioneer a street-level church and do those things. Oh, we're doing it, we're doing it. And you found out at the end of it, it says, that wasn't it at all. That was, just, that was just one of the tests. You go through situations, you, you do ministry, and you find out, man, that wasn't even ministry. That was the test. But God, man, I preached. That, that wasn't it. That's just the test. Well, why do you, why do you keep testing me? Because I'm going to test you until you're proficient in the test. See, God ain't looking for C-minus believers. He's looking for some 4.0s. God is looking for people in this late hour that are going to be straight A's across the board. Not people that are scratching and, and, and scrunching, people that, that, that read their Bible like it's the cliff notes in the local library. God is looking at people that are going to devour his word and walk in obedience, that are going to be willing to pass that first test of sacrificial obedience. Maybe you studied, you worked hard, somebody listened, maybe a position at work and, and, or in ministry, then all of a sudden God says, okay, it's time to give that up. You're thinking, well, God, what's wrong with you? Don't you know that this is what I've worked for, that I've stro uh, strove for, that this is what I've been? He said, well, yeah, I know exactly that. That's what you worked for. But you only got one son. And that's called obedience to what I'm saying. But God, I had plans. We wanted to move here. We wanted to do that. We said, well, you can go do that, but just don't call it me. Call it the me ministry. Call it the me-ism ministry. Call it your ministry. Just don't ever expect me to bless it. Don't ever expect me to get behind it. Now, folks, we're putting ourselves in a position where I'm to say, listen, whose side am I really on? 
Maybe you prayed about getting a raise at work and you started working more hours and did all these things. You said, man, I want to save up all this money and buy this car or take this, this vacation or do this. And all of a sudden God says, well, you got all that saved up? Yes, Lord, I've got some plans. And he said, well, good, get, give it all away. Well, God, I was making plans. Exactly, you were making plans. I'm getting your plans out of the way so I can tell you what my plan is. Folks, this is exactly what Abraham faced at his very first here I am moment. He'd received a promise of a son. He was told that that son would be a blessing to many. He learned some tough lessons in the whole process through his own disobedience. And he finally endured to see the fulfillment of that promise. And now he had to face his toughest challenge to date. And God said, okay, give it back. Give it back. You love that boy, don't you? Give it back. Man, you've enjoyed the ministry, haven't you? Well, give it back. Been having a good time, right? Give it back. Man, you finally feel that you're being fulfilled, don't you? Give it back. Man, it's never like anything before. You're just seeing it. Well, give it back. Now, think about how we would respond if we're not thinking along the lines of the here I am. If God showed us these things and we said to ourselves, God, what are you doing? Let me tell you something, folks. Unless, you, unless you're here I am, costs you that which is most dear to your heart, it's not genuinely something that is sacrifice worthy to be offered to the Lord. I'll tell you that right now. Unless your here I am costs you that which is most dear to you, it will not be worth sacrificing to the Lord. When they dedicated the temple, that great spectacle, what did they do? They brought their first fruits. They brought the very best of their flocks. They didn't bring the, the lamb with a limp. They didn't say, you know what, we're not going to eat him anyway. He's got some problems, so he's just worth just being burned up. What to say, I want you to bring that prized possession. I want you to bring the very first. I want you to glean from the flock, and I want you to take the very the thing that's the most precious, the one that's the most valuable, the one that you'd say, man, I want to keep that. Because imagine if, man, God, if I could just let me keep this one, I could breed it with others and just think of all the, the other ones I'd have. Isn't that how we think? But folks, unless your here I am moment demands the sacrifice of that which is the nearest and dearest to you, it is not worthy to be offered to the Lord. Are you willing to do that in 2010? If you're not, don't sit back in 2011 and gripe and complain that you didn't see the power of God poured out of your life, that you didn't see the opportunity, you didn't see the promotion that you expected from God. If you cannot do that, don't sit back and say, what did God do? God's going to look into your life, and he said, all I wanted to hear from you was here I am. But you put all these qualifications on obedience, and that is not worthy to be offered to me. The second here I am in the life of Abraham. The here I am of overcoming temptations. The here I am of overcoming temptation. How many of you know that there's no temptation that has come upon us but that which is common to all men? Anybody know that? But that with every temptation that he provides a way of escape, you know that. Genesis 22, 6 through 7. So Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went up together towards that place in the mountain. Okay? He stacked it on his son, let him carry it. Carry this, boy. 
took a torch, the fire in his hand, and he took his knife. And it says in verse 7, it says, But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, Dad, father. Now look what Abraham said. He said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, Dad, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Before Isaac said, I have the wood, we have the fire, but no lamb, Abraham had already said, here I am. Now, folks, I can't imagine, I really can't, I can't imagine how this father must have felt when he looked into those inquiring eyes of his son, the son that he loved, his only son. And he had to have said something like, Daddy. He told me I was coming on this trip to, to make a sacrifice, and, 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 and Dad, we, we've got everything else. I'm carrying the wood. You've got the knife. We've got the fire. But we forgot the most important thing. Daddy, where's the lamb? Now, folks, here's what we want to do. We want to we haul around the wood. We want to pack the knife, and we want to wave our torch about how great we are and everything else. But we want to leave behind the most important thing, which is the sacrifice. And so we're here I am because that wood, I'll chop me down another tree. Well, here I am because that knife, you know, that's just something that we can put into our hand. That fire, I can light another bush. But what about taking and willing to haul the sacrifice of that thing that embodies everything that we put the most value in? Then just a few minutes later, after looking in the eyes of his son, Daddy, we forgot the lamb. Daddy, we got everything else important. Now that same father that loved his boy just like we love ours found himself tying up his beloved son and instead of the wood being placed upon him, he placed his son upon that wood. Now that boy had seen sacrifices before. Within the Jewish culture, he, he knew exactly what was there, but it didn't say he screamed out. It didn't say that the boy began to kick and fight and say, no, no, no. You don't see it didn't do that. You know what Isaac was to Abraham? The promise. And folks, you know when it's a true promise? It's never going to scream out in disobedience. You know what I mean by that? See, a lot of times... When God is telling us to put our promise aside, our call aside, our whatever it is that's most important, and it starts screaming out and saying, you can't do that. They don't understand. There's too much a price to pay. If the sacrifice screams out, folks, it's not the promise of the Lord. I'll tell you that right now. If you want to determine whether something's the Lord or not, sacrifice it. The sacrifice will never, never, it'll never, it'll never kick and scream and, and fight against the directive. Why? Because a true promise, a true call, a true directive from God, you know what? You can sacrifice it every single day and it's still going to rise up. Because God is not slack concerning His promise. If God needs to raise up your sacrifice and resurrect it every single day, God will do that. Put the knife to it, folks. If God needs to say, listen, if you're willing to lay it down, God will raise it up from ashes. God will raise it up from dry bones and He'll make them live again. But what we want to do is we're too afraid to hear what the sacrifices say that we'll never even put it on the wood pile. 
Because we're afraid if we ever put it on the woodpile, it'll be exposed as a sham and a hoax and an act of the free will. Because if I bind it up and I lay it there, once it's bound and put up on the sacrifice, what did Isaac do? He sat there and waited to receive. Why? Because he was a promise, not because of position. He had been ordained to be the promise because that was his destiny. So, folks, be willing in this year, amen, to overcome the temptation of drawing back from obedience, even when it cries out and says, well, where's the sacrifice? Can you imagine that temptation must have come upon him when he looked into the eyes? Maybe we'd have said, no, this can't be God. God wants me to be happy. No, God wants you to be holy. This can't be his will. There's, there's, there's no way obedience would ever require such a thing for me. Folks, I got news for you. An obedience in 20 and 10 is going to look a lot different than the obedience that you tried to pass off in 2009. Here's the thing. Abraham could have offered a lot of excuses. He could have explained that day. He could have said, well, you know what? I, I must have just missed the Lord on that one. He could have said, uh, uh, you know what? Uh, that, that wasn't God. You know, uh, I just, you know, I got in the flesh. And here's the thing, if we'd have been there with him and he'd have told us that, sad part is we'd have probably believed him. We might have said, well, you know what? If that was God, God's just too harsh. God's just going to have to understand. I'm only human. Not if I'm a here I am. The ones that are only human are the ones that sit in the back of the classroom and never put their hand up, afraid they might be wrong. Afraid they might be asked to do something beyond their comfort. Those that are born again, born of, not of this world, but born of the Spirit, we're not only human. My birthright has been transferred from this world, and now I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. We'd say, God just don't understand. But folks, i got news for you. God does understand. Because you know what happened 2,000 years ago? He put His Son on the woodpile. It's called the cross. And he lifted up the, the, the knife. It was called those nails that pierced his hands and feet and the sword that pierced his side. God, God did the same thing. He offered that promise and he, he drew it back for, the, for the, the sins of this world. But folks, in 2010, there's going to be times when we're going to be tempted by our emotions. We're going to be tempted by our traditions. We're going to be tempted by our devotions. All of those things are to come for us to abandon our willingness to just say, God, here I am. And hear and respond to the voice of the Lord rather than here I am to our own good intentions. I want to remind you of something. I've said this all the time. Proverbs 14, 12, and there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's things that your emotions is going to seem right. There's going to be decisions that are going to seem right because... It's got to be right because if I obey, it's going to cost me too much. If I obey, it's going to hurt me too much. But no, folks, no sacrifice that doesn't cost you is worthy to be offered to the king of kings. The third here I am of Abraham. It's the here I am of being found faithful. The here I am of being found faithful. Genesis chapter 22, verses 10 through 12. After all of that, after the here I am of sacrificial obedience and after the here I am of overcoming temptation, Abram overcomes those things, Abraham. And it says in verse 10, it says, Abraham stretched out his hand 
and took the knife to slay his son. Aaron, after all that, brother, it says he took out that knife after having probably all of those things run through his mind just like they would run through ours. And he had every intention of being obedient to God. God, it hurts. God, I don't understand it. God, I don't see what you're going to do in this. But God, I hear your voice. I've heard my name called. And it says he took out that knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, that pre-incarnate Christ, that one that would one day come and take the place of Isaac but do it upon a cross and wouldn't allow the knife to be drawn back. It says the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Lord, I'm ready, but here I am. God, I'm ready to do it. Here I am. And it says the angel of the Lord said to him, do not lay your hand on the lad. Don't do anything to him. For now I know you fear God since you've not withheld your very son, your only son, from me. I know you fear me. I know you have a moral dread of being displeasing unto me, even when it would cost you that which is important. Can you imagine the relief? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the relief that he felt when the angel of the Lord said, stop? And, and you know, I'm sure his relief was probably twofold, which ours would have been as well. The first one would be the relief of, of, of knowing that he didn't have to offer his son as a sacrificial offering. Can you imagine that? When God says, okay, do this. And all of a sudden, God says, okay, you don't have to do it now. Can you imagine the relief, Pastor, of, of knowing that you didn't have to, to put the knife to your promise? But you know what the, the greater relief probably was? Knowing that he trusted God more than he trusted his love for his own son. Folks, that's where the relief is. Yes, yeah, sure, you don't have to give up something possibly, but sometimes you will. But the greatest relief is saying, God, regardless of what I had to go through, Man, I trusted you. Man, the relief of knowing that if you told me to do this, Lord God, if you told me that I'd have to endure, Lord God, the relief is, is trusting you. The, the relief is knowing that, God, I would have done it. And God, you know what? I'll do it again. Here I am. What is it next, Lord God? Is there something else that I've put above you? Is there some other thing that's become idolatry in my life that even though you may have given it to me, it may have been a promises from you, Lord God, I don't want the, the, the possession to be my, my focus. I, I, I want the, the Savior to be my focus, Lord God, and I'll, I'll put a knife to it again. Can you imagine the relief of knowing that, that, that you went through the here I am of being found faithful? Folks, I want you to hear me. The type of people that the Lord is desiring to use this year are going to be those who will be found faithful regardless of personal cost, personal consequence. It's going to be those who realize that they have been bought with a price and that their lives are not their own, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Have you been bought with a price? Here I am. Is your life not your own? Here I am. Are you willing to obey regardless of what God says, even when it costs you that which seems so important to you? Here I am. Because if you're not willing to put a knife to it, you're sacrificing it to your flesh and not to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you're just as guilty as any other idolater that would try to offer up a profane sacrifice to the Lord God Almighty. And just as he took, would one day take take the, the, the sons of Aaron and, 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 and consume them for offering a strange fire before the Lord. He'll consume you upon the day of judgment. God, I want to be a here I am. I want to be found faithful and pass that 
test. Folks, I want to encourage you in something. You're thinking, man, you, you challenged me, not encouraged me. Here you go. As the Holy Spirit, folks, begins to, to lead you into a new dimension of sacrificial obedience, which is coming, if you'll volunteer your life to him and cry out, here I am, when you see it coming, folks, if you'll just volunteer right off the bat, here I am, Lord, here I am, use me, what you're going to find is that inescapable principle that's at work in Galatians 6, 7, and Mark 4, 24, and it's called the law of sowing and reaping. When I'm willing to invest sacrifice to God, God will sacrifice on my behalf. With whatever measure I measure out, God is going to be measuring back into me with strength, power, endurance, the fulfillment of everything. But if I withhold the sacrifice from him, you know what I'm going to get? I'm going to get a tainted response back from him. God is not mocked. When you invest obedience in the Lord this coming year, what you're going to reap is the spiritual benefits that will outweigh what you think you're sacrificing, folks. God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. I encourage you. I want to give you a warning, though. Can I warn you about something? Just like Abraham was tempted by his promise, you're also going to find the things that seem the most benign and seemingly good. They're going to plead with you to abandon the task which God has set before you. They are. You're going to have everything that looks good, that's going to seem right. They're going to plead with you and say, that could not be God. It's too much. Those pleading eyes, they're going to say, we got the wood, we got the knife. They're going to plead with you and say, but where's the sacrifice? Folks, listen, what you've got to do is you've got to draw back that knife. Hebrews, what, 4 and 12? That your word is like a sharp two-edged sword. Man, when the enemy begins to come at you and tries to take you from that place of sacrificial obedience, you need to draw that knife back. You need to prepare that knife, and you need to begin to go off on that disobedience. Uh-uh. I know what I'm feeling, but I know what the Word says. Behold, thus saith the Lord, it is written. Here's what God told me to do. Yeah, you're making these promises, flesh, but I'm telling you what the Word of God says. I'm willing to, to sacrifice these things because I know that God can raise up anything that I sacrifice in obedience unto Him. There's the, there's the warning, folks. You're going to be tempted to lay it down. But let me give you a promise. I'm going to close with this. If you will be faithful to everything, somebody say everything, that the Lord Jesus instructs you in, you will hear his voice according to John 10, 27. You'll hear him. You'll hear that, that your name being called out, and you will be able to embrace all the promises of God once again. Amen? Folks, this is the gear I believe the Holy Spirit is searching for those who would dare to say, here I am, and would be willing to pay the price to be used of him in a coming year. Is that you tonight? Let's stand to our feet. Just close your eyes just for a second. Thank you, Jesus. There's some people in this room here tonight, and there's others that are with us uh, via our broadcast, that God has called out your name, and he's called you literally to a Mount Moriah experience. He's told you to go, and he's 
been challenging you to offer some things up that you've held dear. Some of those things are, seem really good, like good things. They seem spiritual. They seem not harmful at all. They, just, they seem like things that you think to yourself, why on earth would God want me to do that? Maybe it's been something you've done in the ministry. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a particular circumstance at work. Maybe, I don't know what it might be, but God is speaking to you and he's saying, listen, I'm calling you to a Mount Moriah experience. I'm calling you to the time of the test. Some of you, it's, it, it's not near as, as benign as that. Some of you have been walking in, in bondages and addictions for years and years. God is calling you to be delivered. Maybe you've been addicted to alcohol, drugs. Maybe you've been addicted to cigarettes, pornography. Maybe it's, you've been addicted to, to, uh, to selfishness. Maybe you've been addicted to unforgiveness. And you refuse to put the knife to those circumstances in your life. And you expect to gather up your wood and you expect to gather up your knife and gather up your fire. And march down the hill and say, God, I didn't do that, but I want you to bless me. I want you to use me. I want you to heal me. I got some bad news for you, folks. Until you repent and find your way back up that hill and do what God told you to do, you are on the wrong side of righteousness. You are not an undercover Christian. You are walking in wicked disobedience to the one that you call Lord. And you are offering vain oblations. And you are offering empty words. What God is calling a people to in this year is to come out from those things, say, here I am, and be separated unto his service. Take your son, your only son, who you love, and sacrifice him, here I am. Battle past the, the bondage of the flesh and say, here I am. Lay down offenses, lay down self-will, lay down your plans and say, here I am. And begin to trust God to fill in the blanks as you pass the test of sacrificial obedience. Father, in the name of Jesus, all over this room, all over this place, Lord God, those that may be listening elsewhere or later on, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord God, for the voice of the angel of the Lord to begin to speak, Lord God, into those areas. Clear direction, Lord God. Father, your sheep would hear your voice and they would have an opportunity once again, Lord God. Father, to pass, Lord God, the test of the here I am. I ask you here tonight, what is it that's kept you from walking in the here I am? What's derailed you in one of those three areas? And that you know right now, as sure I'm standing here, there's some of you that are in this room that are so convicted that this word has, has you, you, you thought I was following you around all week. It wasn't me. It was the voice of the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you. And you know you've drawn back the knife. You know you've responded in the flesh. You know that God is stirring you up in this hour and you've been so afraid of what he would tell you. So you've plugged your ears and you've called it everything but God. I'm telling you tonight. This is an opportunity, whether you're here or whether you're listening elsewhere, to say, God, here I am.
If you're here tonight and that's you, I want to open up the altars in the front of this place for you to come and say, Lord God, I want to offer, I want to offer my here I am afresh and anew once again. Lord God, I don't want anything to stand in the way in 2010 as it did before. Lord God, I thank you that I found mercy. I know that you're challenged me in areas that, that, Lord God, I've held on to. That's you here tonight. These altars are open. If you're thinking, Lord God, I need, there's some things I need to lay down. I need you to, to begin to speak. Here I am. If you're listening to us elsewhere, I encourage you right where you're at just to pull away from that computer screen or whatever it is and get on your knees and say, God, here I am. Whatever it is, Lord, I don't want to find myself. Lord God, walking down the walking back down the mountain with a pile of wood in my hands, ex expecting you to bless it and provide another sacrifice. If that's you tonight, these altars are open. Come, don't wait. Don't wait. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody's going to get a defining moment tonight. Someone's going to get their Damascus Road experience tonight. I believe it. I believe as you press in and say, here I am, Lord, here I am. As you begin to, to lay that promise upon that altar, as long as you begin to, to put that place I believe what you're going to begin to see is that defining moment that's going to literally propel you into that place that God has spoken to you. Here I am. You're going to fa face the test of sacrificial obedience. You're going to face the, the test of, of temptation. You're going to face the test of being found faithful. But it starts with saying, here I am. If that's you, don't wait. God, that have been battling things that will kill them. Lord God, if they don't put the knife to it tonight. And Father, I pray for them right now. I pray, Lord God, for just to, I, I want to I intercede. I want to stand in the gap for them. Lord God, there's some that have struggled so much, Lord God, that they, they're battling something, Lord God, that literally will kill them. If not physically, it will kill them spiritually. But they have refused, Lord God. They have refused through a smiling face. They've refused through good intentions. They've refused through all of those things. They've made light of it, Lord God, because they've not been serious. And I pray tonight, Father, that their eyes would be opened, that the scales of deception would be removed, that see, Lord God, exactly what they're doing. They would see, Lord God, the filthiness of their sacrifice, Lord God. And they would see, Lord God, that their efforts, Lord God, have been vain oblations because they've, they've, they've not consecrated their hearts, Lord God. The word says, Lord God, that your ear is inclined, Lord God, to the righteous, but your face is against the ungodly. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, there'd be a pressing through, Lord God, pressing through the perversion and into the promises tonight for some. Pray for those that are listening or watching, Lord God. Break that yoke of bondage, Lord God, that's continued, Lord God, to cause them to fail, Lord God, the temptation test. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.